Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Who You Got. My name is Dayton Harmon. Who You Got is a show about creating brackets for things that don't normally have brackets. Now, you may be asking, what is a bracket exactly? Well, a bracket or tournament bracket is a tree diagram representing a series of games played in a knockout tournament. Each episode, we create a bracket for a specific topic and determine the best of that topic through a series of debate matchups. Today, helping me fight our way through the tournament is our first return guest, the Sultan of Superhero Cinema himself, Derek Ambrose. Welcome back, buddy. How's it going? Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm still reminiscing over my win from the last one where I convinced you that you know Black Panther is better than Spider-Man as a solo film, but that's mm-hmm. neither here nor there. <laughs> Reveling in your victory still, I see. That was months ago, man. It was good. You just gotta let it go. It was good. <laughs> it, yeah, it was good. I haven't watched Black Panther since, but we are talking superheroes again today, but I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. There are a couple rules that we must follow as we make our way through the bracket. There are five minutes allotted to each matchup, and at the end of five minutes, we decide a winner based on the arguments and not on our own preferences. That brings us to this episode's topic. Marvel Cinematic Universe Fan Casts. The MCU is kind of at a crossroads right now with many possible futures ahead. Fans are currently left to speculate who will be the newest hero, who will be the next villain, and which actors will play them. On this extra special episode of Who You Got, Derek and I each brought four casting ideas to the table, each composed of a Hollywood celebrity and a possible role they could play in the MCU. And we've set them up to clash in the bracket. Some ideas are pretty grounded, some are pretty wishful, and some are just plain odd. But we hope to... Hope you guys get a little bit more excited about Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, arguably the world's biggest movie franchise at this point. There's no arguing. It I mean, is, it broke the record. It's it's the biggest. It beat Avatar. I know. I was really thankful for that. I was never a big fan of Avatar. It was all right. It was fine. A bunch of blue people. It was beautiful. It, it was, was good. It was like a very visually stunning. I, okay. In all fairness, the first time I watched Avatar was on a bus, like on a Greyhound bus. That's fair. You know, and like those little tiny like carpeted TVs that hang down from the ceiling. <laughs> I, it, was, it was good. It was fine. I but. know I will catch some flack for saying this, but like first time watching Avatar in the theaters, 3D, it was awesome. But like as I rewatch it now, and then I watch again, Journey to the Center of the Earth with Brendan Fraser, I'm like, wow, these are equally comparable in visual effects. <laughs> oh no! And I'm going to catch some flack for this, but like right now as I'm looking at this, I'm like, these are these are equal in my eyes. Yeah, and Endgame, the one that broke the record. Uh, visually stunning, really exciting. It has me really amped up for the it future of the MCU. Me. It moved yeah. me in my seat in the theater. You sat next to me when Cat picked up the hammer. I think oh, I jumped a little bit. And I think, I mean, everybody's row jumped, but like, I still. So, like, people Ooh. talk about those moments in, so in the theater when it's like, it oh, when chills. Yeah. But, like, people talk about those moments in the theater when you're seeing a movie. It's like, oh, the crowd did this and the crowd did that. And I always thought that was kind of an exaggeration. But that, in that moment, that sort of thing happened. Everybody was like, oh, shit. When it, when <laughs> it was the theater great. turns into a roller coaster ride, that's when it's a good movie. Yeah, it was wonderful. But, yeah, and like, like we said, it really set up something interesting for the MCU. Like, we always... From the very beginning of the first Iron Man movie, we always kind of saw where this was going to end up. Now we really don't know, especially with Disney acquiring everything under the sun. Uh, there's really an ex- some exciting prospects out there. So let's get into a little bit of our bracket here. Uh, we're going to be debating eight actor and character pairings to determine the last podcast fan cast. Ooh, and that wordplay. I know. 
all that assonance. If you haven't noticed on this show, I am a proponent of any sort of poetic rhythms and that sort of thing. You'll definitely notice that <laughs> some of our mini episodes. I've never, never noticed that. Once. I know. Right. <laughs> so we have in the first matchup, the number one seed, Tom Hanks as Norman Osborn in the Green Goblin. That was my idea. Going up against Mark Hamill as Otto Octavius and Dr. Octopus. Very interesting right off the bat. I'm excited. Yeah. The next matchup, we have Dax Shepard as Johnny Storm and the Human Torch. Going up against your recommendation, Roman Reigns as Hercules. Newcomer. Next round, we have Julie Andrews as Cassandra Webb, also known as Madam Webb. Going up against probably my favorite recommendation of yours, but I'm showing my hand a little bit. Shia Buff as James Howlett's Logan, also known as Wolverine. I'm I'm so excited. I didn't I just want to preface. I didn't know who I was going to pick out of the four people except for Shia. I'm like, I have no idea who I'm going to have as Shia, but Shia is going to be on this list. He needs needs to be on this it, list. It's so out there, and I can't wait to talk about it. Then in the final round, we have Terry Crews as Ben Grimm, or The Thing, going up against Mila Kunis as Aurora Monroe, Storm from the X-Men. As always, these seedings are completely random. We're just having fun with them. And these fan castings were made assuming a few things. We made a couple rules for ourselves. First of all, this is assuming that the Sony and Disney Spider-Man property divorce is somehow resolved. Mom Disney, and, I really want mom and dad to make up on this one. I know, right? It's just like if Disney cares really at all about the story of these movies and not just the money behind them, they will and arguably should meet Sony's demands. That's a whole other uh, argument in and of itself. But at any rate, we're assuming Spider-Man's still in the MCU. All the characters surrounding him are still going to be in the MCU. Number two, the focus of the next MC phase of the MCU will be mainly on introducing the Fantastic Four and the X-Men with Disney just having uh, acquired Fox properties. And this seems like the most substantial and logical progression for the film series since the last couple films have been so Avengers-centric. Why not bring in some of those other little, large little major bit. groups? Yeah, a little yeah. bit. You know, We only had four or five movies titled Avengers. Just basically three phases of Avengers. Yeah, exactly. I, okay, do you count Civil War as an Avengers movie? I want to, but I can't. <laughs> it's actually called Captain America, but nobody ever calls it Captain America. It's Civil basically War. it's Avengers minus like Thor and Hulk because if, if they showed up, it would just been a bloodbath. Oh yeah, that's. I guess that's probably why some people don't technically call it an Avengers film because there's not the core four there. But right. At any rate, the third and final rule we set for ourselves was that the most interesting casting choices will probably have some distance from live action superhero cinema. Like one name that you had thrown out earlier during our discussions was right. Jared Leto. I shot that down because he had played the Joker, however poorly, in a DC cinematic universe movie. And I was like, ah, let's get some fresh faces in there. I, I did I did want to see that, honestly. <laughs> Mostly because like I, I know he's a good actor. Yeah. I don't think that was really well written for him as Yeah, an actor. it was a fault of the script. But like Sentry being the character I wanted Jared Leto to play is a very bipolar character. And mm -hmm. I think if anybody could pull that off, I think he could do a great job. Yeah. Not so, a bad argument, but not what we want to talk about Not here. what we want to talk about. Although, uh, for those who do know, yes, Mark Hamill technically does voice the Joker in a TV series right. animated. However, that is TV series, not a movie. And it's, it's so far distance, we want to, you know, still include him in. Because right. it's such a good yeah. matchup. That's why I really specified live action. We really will just want to see how these people do in the unique 
sort of superhero culture that uh, the MCU has created. So, right. yeah, just trying to get some fresh faces in there. Uh, another one that was sort of close for me was Julie Andrews, who's actually done a voice for a DCU film. She did a voice of the large Kraken in Aquaman. But we'll get a little bit into that and why we're totally okay with her getting out there in a live action way. So, with that said, it's clobbering time. Let's do this. All right, we have in the first matchup, Tom Hanks as Norman Osborn and the Green Goblin going up against your recommendation, Mark Hamill, as Otto Octavius and Dr. Octopus. Let's get five minutes on the clock, and here we go. Okay, so you recommended Mark Hamill right off the bat as one of my favorite supervillains, Dr. Octopus. Tell me a little bit about that. So I think it's a given. I don't I don't really know of a better person who could potentially play Doc Ock besides Mark Hamill. Okay. Uh, I mean, he does a great job playing the psychotic villain that is the Joker. I know it got some flack on reviews. Um, the, the Killing Joke, where Mark Hamill came back and reprised his role as Joker. Yeah, he hasn't done it perfectly all the time, but it's great. You right. Know, it's still but, renowned. like, I mean, that's the most recent one that I've seen, and, mm-hmm. like, I know he's done other great performances, but, like, but that version of the Joker, if you take that villainous mindset, throw it into Doc Ock, I think you get a great villain that does kind of lose his way, but still has some sense of morality to hold on to mm-hmm. that you do kind of see in the ch- uh, in the Killing Joke. Um, but also, as the professor type, who is just really long gone and far out, yeah. I mean, Mark Hamill has also done a great job with that in the more recent Star Wars. Say what you want about the new trilogy. It's... It's he gives well a good do- performance. It's well done for the role he's given. And I think right. if he took the two of those and he meshed them together, we'd have a great Doc Ock. Not to mention, Mark Hamill's just fantastic in general as an actor. Oh, yeah, certainly. So what I do like about your recommendation here with Mark Hamill is that I really I love Alfred Molina as Dr. Octopus back in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. He was really good. Fantastic. But what he didn't really do was tap into the mad scientist element of... It was more of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing right? Um, with him versus the tentacles and their the AI contained within. But it's like I feel Matrix like, meets Spider-Man. Really? Yeah, exactly. And I feel like Mark Hamill could really portray like the disheveled, I'm working out of a, a makeshift subway lab, mad scientist look. And I think what's really important about the progression of the Spider-Man of this universe is that he starts understanding his over-reliance on technology. So I think Dr. Octopus, especially with the portrayal that Mark Hamill could bring, could talk about, like, here's a bad example of how somebody who over-relied on technology to the point where it consumed them, and now, he, you know, the, uh, to move around, he requires these gigantic arms, and uh, he's let it all consume him. So I think that would be a really cool change. But Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. I Okay, so... Uh, I honestly, when you said Tom Hanks, Norman Osborn, I was a little mad. I didn't think about it myself. <laughs> I haven't heard anybody talk about this either. It'd so be great. We, we, we have purposely avoided rumors too. And you know, there's people talking about, I heard like Matthew McConaughey for a while as Norman Osborn. I'm like, nah, he's too suave. That'd be cool though. I, I would, I'd enjoy seeing it, but like it, it wouldn't do it justice for me if you ask me. So what I, what I love about Tom Hanks as Norman Osborn Green Goblin is that it not only provides an opportunity for the Norman Osborn character, but it provides an opportunity for Tom Hanks as an actor who's never really had a good super meaty villain role. He had uh, he played a villain in a in a Coen Brothers film that was poorly received. He played 
Uh, which villain? Was, which film was that? Do you remember? Lady Killers. Yes, he played sort of a like a southern dandy type who was trying to rob a bank. And I was, don't even think I saw that one. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's definitely one of the lesser known Coen Brothers films. And then he had a role as sort of like an evil Steve Jobs in that movie, The Circle, which was apparently a crap. <laughs> so I, didn't I watch re- it. I really want to give him something that provides him a vehicle to be more than just sort of America's golden boy. Yeah, because I he's he's definitely capable of it. He's one of the most talented actors out there, and. He's sort of got that patriarchal vibe. I feel like he could play a father figure to Peter Parker, which is an important element of the Norman Osborn character, and then totally subvert it. I think it would be cool to see uh, Norman Osborn at the center of the next phase of the MCU, too, because right. after Thanos, he you know, was a very, very large-scale sort of villainry, and then now suddenly we have Norman Osborn, who's just a, a businessman. Someone who's more Earth-based, but still poses yeah. it as significant a threat as Thanos did. Right. But be, but in a different way, right. sort of through manipulation, through money, through finding the right people, assembling the right people. And then suddenly, before you know it, he's just the mastermind who has his fingers in all sorts of pies. I think I think Tom Hanks can portray that. Was he the one who came up with the Dark Avengers? Exactly. You were so. reading my mind, man. So yeah. the Dark Reign storyline, I think, would be a great direction to go, especially with <laughs> the way that Spider-Man Homecoming left off. Because oh yeah, Mysterio's action really destabilized how people feel about superheroes. You know, Mysterio sort of came in, immediately sort of buttered everybody up, and then feigned Spider-Man being evil. I, I, I think that's fantastic and to see that sort of switch would be great and it provides a great opportunity to introduce dark avengers whether they stick with the true dark avengers however they portrayed it in the comics during the dark green storyline or they decide to sort of adapt the sinister six as a, a sort of an opposing force to the avengers uh i think either way that would be great and tom hanks would be the great puppeteer of that as norman osborne and i do know we're close on time but one thing i do like about the tom hanks as norman osborne is correct me if i'm wrong but i, I know you're way more versed in spidey knowledge than i am sure um doesn't norman osborne have a son that he then raises up tom hanks is that perfect age to play a character who comes in really knocks it out of the park as norman osborne and then you've got not the prodigal son spidey but a different one that maybe like looks to spidey as like okay why are you taking my father's love Right. And that that would be really compelling, and I think that is a really good world building right there. Yeah, and I actually have an idea of somebody connected to Tom Hanks who I think would make a great Harry Osborn, but I don't know if I should talk about it right now. Next round. Next round. If there is a next round. So uh, did I convince you? Is, is is Tom Hanks the stronger? So for me, it's, it's a matter of Tom Hanks, I think, is... Uh, I think he's a bit more fresh to this sort of environment. It'd be great to see him take on a role that's drastically different than what he's done. And I think Norman Osborn needs to be introduced to the MCU. That's really why I feel more strongly about that pairing. I, I like the idea of, of Mark Hamill as Otto Octavius and Dr. Octopus, but I feel like he's a piece of that as opposed to the real driving force to what these next few movies could be. As as much as I want to say that like I want to knock Octavius, slash Mark Hamill to win on this round. When I saw you put the pairings together of Norman Osborn, Doc Ock, a.k.a. Tom Hanks, and Mark Hamill, theoretically, I saw that, I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I, really want, I really want Tom Hanks, Norman Osborn to come through, mostly for the reason that I gave at the end there. Like, yeah. that, like in the end, like in my back pocket, like this is, this is the reason I want him to be, I want, I want him to be it so bad. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the nail in the coffin for me. Yeah. I, albeit, you know, Mark Hamill would do a fantastic oh, job as Doc Ock. No doubt he would. But I, the, I think the, the universe as a whole, cinematically, would be better off with Tom Hanks out of those nice. two. Well said. So. Thank you. I'm glad you agree. Tom Hanks as Norman Osborn in the Green Goblin. Moving on to the next round. But before we move on, I did think of some other people who could potentially play Doc Ock. Danny I, DeVito? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I had to, th- I was like, okay, short, stocky Danny DeVito. Yeah. That is an important element that I think Mark Hamill does bring a little bit to Dr. Octopus and that the, the actual human frame of Otto Octavius isn't that imposing. Oh, like yeah. he's supposed to be kind of a, a, a chunky lived in a lab for how many years, just married to his work kind of look. Hear me out. A younger Doc Ock. This is a little bit far fetched. Jonah Hill. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. A little young, but... There's rumors that he might be playing the Penguin in The Batman, the next Batman movie with, uh, what's-his-face, Twilight Boy as... as um, yeah. Uh, Robert Pattinson. <laughs> I, Twilight Boy. I saw... I feel, that feels so disrespectful, because he's a way more talented actor than No, that, he's still Twilight Boy. He's still With how much Twilight fangirling boy. he got, he's Twilight Boy. I'm yeah. not saying he's a bad actor, it's just like, that's just who he is to me. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I saw a Twitter, like, news thing about that, like, in Twitter... Ooh. Yeah, of all places, places. and just like Jonah Hill is being like brought up as this potential like Batman mm-hmm. character, who could yeah. it be? And I'm like Penguin, obviously. Penguin. Yeah, I think he would do a good job. Oh, he would but. do a great job. Anyways, yes, Doctor Octopus. My couple ideas. One was Rain Wilson. Okay, because he sort of captures that goofy, maniacal nerdiness. I think is pretty essential. He's got the haircut. <laughs> He's got, he's, he's got the mannerisms too. From yeah, the office that cu- yeah. that shines through. Right, I, I feel like he could really capture the sort of manic, slightly terrifying quirkiness that Doctor Octopus sometimes brings. Uh, recently, there's somebody, a, a comedian who's recently turned a dramatic actor who I think Jim could, Gaffigan. Yep, yes. who could be a good one. Are you thinking of the? I forgot the name of the movie, but I saw the trailer. American Dreamer. That looks fantastic. It looks really great. It looks really oh, cool. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts with Jim Gaffigan, and that one looks really exciting. I, I'm really excited to see him branching out because he's he's a very relatable person in sort of his upbringing. I've always found very interesting and in how he incorporates it into his comedy. And to see him channeling that in a dramatic way is awesome. Love to see it if he did Dr. Octopus. I listened to him on Stephen Colbert. When Stephen Colbert asked him, like, how did you prepare to do this drama role? Mm-hmm. You, you were, you're a comedian. You shift the drama. Like, how does that, like you know, kind of connect. He's like, well, Steven, as a comedian, it was something along the lines of just like, you kind of have to be crazy and psychotic to, yep. to be a comedian in the first place. So it's just channeling a different energy. It I'm really like, is. I'm like, wow, I'm terrified. It's just I got to see this now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It looks wonderful. I'm really excited. And then my last idea was even more out there. Not, as far as I know, too much of a dramatic actor or he's pretty much stuck to comedy, but Noel Fielding. I don't think I'm familiar. He's a British comedian, does a lot of writing work and that sort of thing. But he's a, he's a very odd-looking guy. He's one of the current hosts of the Great British Breaking Show, which I've been watching with my fiance lately. And I'm just like, you know what? He's kind of a creepy dude. I would like to see him do something villainous. And I figured this would be a more offbeat take on Dr. Octavius. I'm looking at a picture right now. I Is this him? Yep. Yeah, I'm imagining like a... Ozzy Osbourne meshed with like um, 
a more goth version of Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, that, even that's, more that's, goth. That's what he looks like to me. So if if yeah. anyone else can picture that, oh, I'm talking by the way, like young Ozzy, not right. like old Ozzy, obviously. Yeah. Although old Ozzy being more goth would be kind of funny too. It would be hilarious. Yeah. So, at any rate, just wanted to talk a little bit about that because I like Doctor Octopus so much as a character. One of my favorite villains, like I said. But Tom Hanks, moving on. Would you say he glided through the first round? Glided on his glider. <laughs> he was impaled by his own glider. Sorry, have you seen the bloopers from that from Spider-Man 2? So the actor who played the Osborne's butler could not for some reason remember the word glider and he looked like he was like reading off of cards in the distance it's and Bill it's Paxton. Is it really? Yep. That's hilarious. Oh so Bill Paxton's, Paxton's dad. Thanks Graham. And so he, there's so many takes of him saying like your dad he was impaled by his own gilder <laughs> like just just every word that's close to glider oh. you got to check it out it's great you'll probably find it on youtube at any rate on to our next round we have my pick dax shepherd going uh, as johnny storm and the human torch going up against your idea Roman Reigns as Hercules. We've got five minutes on the clock here. Here we go. All right. I think you should go first this time. Yeah, for sure. All so right. it's interesting because I chose Dax Shepard here, not necessarily because of his acting career. I'm only familiar with a few of his performances. I remember seeing Employee of the Month. <laughs> yeah, theaters. with uh, Dane, uh, Cook. Dane Cook, the yeah. greatest comedian ever. Rolls uh, eyes. Rolls my eyes the yeah. hardest I can. <laughs> At any rate, well, we won't comment on that. Yeah, but he's he's really funny in that, and I always remembered him from that. And then, of course, he's sort of come into the limelight again as uh, the spouse of the lovely Kristen Bell, who is wonderful. And now he has a podcast called Armchair Expert that I listen to quite frequently, and he's really, really wonderful on it. What something that's really struck me about the way he talks on his podcast is that he's very willing to admit his mistakes. Uh, he has a section at the end of each of his podcasts that he does with his assistant that's called the fact check. And they go back and they talk about all the little statements that Dak Shepard got wrong, including some sometimes politically incorrect things he says. So what I love about that is that he's incredibly self-aware, but he still has this sort of hot-headedness to him where he can sometimes say things that get him in trouble. And the fact that he owns that, I think, would be great for a Johnny Storm character because... The Human Torch, you know, hot-headed in the literal sense and uh, in a metaphorical sense. Right. I think we've sort of seen the young, scrappy version of that. I would, the Chris Evans before he was Captain America. Exactly. It's just sort of, uh, okay, we've sort of seen the douchey version of Johnny Storm. I kind of want to see the Johnny Storm in Midlife Crisis. Because Dak Shepard is a little bit older, and I feel like that might be one of the strongest arguments against him. Uh, Dak Shepard's like in his mid forties, but yeah. I feel like he could really capture somebody who's working to be better. Cause I see that every time I listen to his podcast and it's really exciting. So because of who he is as a person and because he, it, I mean, he's, he's, he's comedic. He's got chops. He looks I the think, park too. Yeah, exactly. He, yeah. I feel like he really could own it and bring some of his personal experiences to it. But Roman Reigns, I didn't know who this was until you told me about him. Right. And I looked up a picture. I'm like, wow. This would be a great Hercules. So elaborate on that. So if if you don't know who Rowan Reigns is, I mean that's okay. I didn't either until um, Fast and Furious, whatever the most recent one is. Oh yeah, Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs right? and Shaw. Thank you. Yeah. So I mean, I went to go see Hobbs and Shaw, and uh, I swear this is going somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> when I went to go see Hobbs and Shaw, and of course I follow you know Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You can't just say Dwayne Johnson, right? 
I followed Dwayne The Rock Johnson on Twitter and Facebook. And so, of course, he's just promoting this thing up the his house mm-hmm. on everything he's doing. Right. And then I, I see this guy. He's like fellow WWE wrestler. Like he's 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 a young uh, wrestler, much like The Rock was before The Rock started getting into, into the film. Um, right. Like I'm talking like, you know, when he did the Tooth Fairy with like Disney and like yeah. Gridiron Gang with I don't know who helped produce that, which is still a fantastic movie all the same. But like that's around the age that Roman Reigns seems to be to me, and um, oh, I'm, I'm blanking on on what uh, race they are. What is what is their uh, nationality? They are. Oh yeah, I don't um, I, I don't know offhand, and I would hate to to, to misidentify. Is it them. Polynesian? I know they I have think. some sort of, some sort of background, I know I know some Islander background. Yeah, um, but I, I know I know they're of the same like ethnicity. Yeah, and and I, I'm seeing this, and he's talking like my my brother, like we have the same mana and, and all that stuff. So I'm like, okay, I gotta see who this guy is because The Rock is giving him props, right? And he seems to be like a young come up wrestler. He's been cast as like supposed to be cast as the good guy, but the crowd is deeming him as the bad guy, which honestly mirrors exactly what The Rock went through in his phase. Samoan, Samoan, Samoan. thank you. Yep. Thank you, Graham. Thank you, Graham. So, um, so they're both Samoan, and it's just like I'm, I'm seeing this. I'm like, okay, he's looking like a spitting image of the Rock, and the Rock actually did play Hercules. He did, yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, well, he's got the build for it. This Roman Reigns guy does for sure. He's got the look for it, and honestly, if he is a almost mirror image of the Rock right now, what I'm seeing, and I mean, the Rock shot up to be this huge movie star. I could absolutely see um, a movie including Hercules as the MCU Hercules, really taking someone who is kind of unknown and shooting him into the limelight. Yeah. And the character of Hercules, period, as a whole, I mean, granted, we still have the Hulk, but it's a crippled Hulk at at best, and he's not Rage Hulk. So we don't really have a a really strong Avenger anymore. And without Thor doing, you know, whatever in (laughs) Guardians of the Galaxy or or wherever he's going, like... We don't have a super strong Avenger. Hercules is a fantastic character. I think take that mantle, and I think Roman Reigns is a great unknown talent to tap into to allow the MCU to do that. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I, I, I dug a little bit into Roman Reigns and his sort of background. I understand he he overcame leukemia twice. Oh, I didn't even know that. Right? Isn't so I, he is he actually is Hercules in a sense. Right? Yeah. He's he's got this really really immense obstacle in life that he's jumped not only once but twice i think channeling that sort of immense sense of uh, overcoming trials that's literally what hercules is about that hardship yeah exactly i i think there's something there uh again sort of talking about these actors as people not just as actors too and he does have a few he does have a few acting credits to his name i understand he was on a nickelodeon show recently and he was really really charming even like he had good comedic timing as as, in so far as those shows can have comedic timing so i i think he's got something there i agree that he's on that same sort of trajectory as the rock in a good way. I know some people have soured on the rock just because he's everywhere all the time, but I feel like Roman Reigns could handle it with a lot of grace. And uh, so that was really exciting. I I thought that was a really compelling choice. I, it's, it's tough because I, uh, we got to think about this sort of as a marketing thing too. Exactly. Which casting are people really going to get excited about? 
I personally think Dak Shepard a little bit, just because Dak Shepard's out in the limelight again. He's really talking personally about his life and sort of his aspirations for acting. I've heard him even joke on his podcast once in a while, like, oh, you got to get yourself in one of those superhero movies in your set. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool to provide that for him? And plus, honestly, I just want to hear him say flame on. I feel like that would be perfect, right? <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. My, my only, I, I got I got two beefs with, with Dak Shepard. Okay. Um, One... I mean, have you have you ever seen the movie Idiocracy? Yes, and he's kind of a blubbering idiot. In that one, he is he? A, he is a, he is the blubbering idiot. He's he's the protagonist blubbering idiot version. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. Like, yes, I I think Johnny Storm needs to be like he needs to be incorrigible as a character. Yeah, but the only incorrigible I've seen coming from Dak Shepard, like character wise, was incorrigible in Idiocracy and an Employee of the Month. And it was it it was it was too much one and the same character. Sure. Like to me it just seemed like you just took one role and you just moved it like twenty years in the future or, or twenty years in the past or whatever. Sure. Like it, it's it seemed too similar to me and that's why I I don't like him for that reason. The second is like I know the MCU wants to have this new Marvel family to be a, a younger a younger generation. That's true. And the my only issue with Johnny Storm is like I think he would be great as like, you know, kind of middle age, close to midlife crisis kind of character who's trying yeah. to find his way back. That Johnny Storm does have to do even as a younger character. And this older version would like compel him to do it at a much faster pace and a much more have much more reason behind it. But I I think there are younger actors out there who could do a better job at growing with what. Marvel wants to do than Dak Shepard can do. That's a fair point. Marvel has been really great about elevating talent. I mean, there's not a whole lot of people who knew Tom Holland was before freaking. And I'm so glad they found him. him. Right. And he's wonderful. And now he's doing voice acting in a Pixar film coming up here onward. I'm super. I saw that. that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, I don't know if this movie is still in production, but I know he was rumored to be Nathan Drake from the Uncharted series, that film adaptation. Like how freaking cool is that? so, with that said, it may kind of make sense that MCU might find an eye for somebody like Roman Reigns, who right. really, you know, has had a journey so far and is really ready to bring that to the silver screen. So, you might have convinced me there with that last argument. They're really trying to bring in the next generation, and, you know, Roman Reigns being a little bit younger makes a lot of sense. So, and plus, I think Hercules, uh, not a lot of people know about him as an MCU right. character. It'd be great to continue keeping the MCU a little bit more mythical and that sort of thing. And with Thor, kind of, I don't know if he's. I know male Thor is pretty much out of the picture. I've I've heard rumors about the female Thor Natalie is supposed Portman. to be in. Yep. You know, Thor for it. I don't know how long they're going to keep with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, introducing a secondary mythological character really helps elevate. You know, the MCU is like okay, we've got some more mythology. Right. Maybe I think it'd be cool someday to see expanding beyond Norse and going other places. Um, but that's a subject for a different day. Yeah. But I mean, to just yeah. to say like, oh, we have Norse mythology, we have Greek mythology, and we're going to show that the MCU is pretty much immeasurable in a lot right. of ways. I think to continue to demonstrate that is probably a good thing. So introducing Hercules as a character makes a lot of sense. Uh, no doubt they probably will introduce a Donnie Storm. And that's probably a given at this point. So Roman Reigns... And this casting, this character, I think, is is pushing it in a direction that we might not expect. So, props to you on that. Let's move him forward. Roman Reigns suplexes Johnny Storm into sure. the folding table that is life. 
I don't know why that resonates with me, like seeing life as a folding table. It just feels very real and grounded. It just kind of flowed. <laughs> yeah, it works. So the next matchup, we have Julie Andrews as Cassandra <laughs> Webb, also known as Madam Webb, going up against Shia LaBeouf as James Howlett Logan. Wolverine, let's get five minutes on the clock, even though we've been passing five minutes every round so far. Whoops. It's all good. This is a good discussion. I'm really excited about this. All right. It's an arbitrary five minutes. Exactly. It's just to keep us grounded a little bit. Five minutes. Here we go. You are a nutcase for recommending Shia LaBeouf as Wolverine, and I love it. My man, Shia. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to like rep for you a little bit here because I love this casting idea. Even though I will argue for Julie Andrews as Madam Webb, I need to talk about how much I love your idea here because at this point we're not going to get another Hugh Jackman. We're not like that version of Wolverine. We can't replicate. So why don't we just like go with some super freaking weird? And I, I think one thing people don't really realize, well, this is sort of one misgiving I have with uh, the way Hugh Jackman handled Wolverine. He's very cool. Like, he's too cool. Exactly. He's like, people forget, like, in the comics and in a lot of the other, like, Marvel sort of media, Wolverine's, like, just a really kind of a scrappy weirdo. And guess who also is a scrappy weirdo? Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. So I'll give you that credit right off the bat. I think that's the exact kind of way that these really iconic roles that existed outside of the MCU that now may, might be part of it. That's where these roles need to go. They just need to be weird. They just need to be bold. They just need to be strange. If out they don't there. work out, it's fine. You already made several billion dollars. <laughs> and I, I mean, honestly, I mean, what's going to put more people in seats? The you know, casting Shia LaBeouf as as Wolverine. I think that's going to confuse and excite a lot of people. Put my ass in a seat at least five times. Yeah, it's just, absolutely right. So, yeah. major props to you for that. Thank but. You. I do have to argue for Julie Andrews a little bit. I She hasn't done a whole lot of live-action acting lately, and at the same time, she's she's still a veteran. She still has a lot of uh, credence within the acting sphere, a lot of, lot of respect. You know, she's picking her roles very carefully. She does a lot, of, like I said, does a lot of voice acting, but she refused to appear in Mary Poppins, not to take the spotlight away from... Uh, Emily Blunt. So she's got like this sort of sense of of her place in the world. And I she think that's, knows her notoriety and when when right. to wield it properly. Exactly. And I think that sort of elegance and grace and authority is perfect for Madame Web. One of the more obscure Spider-Man characters sort of acts as quote unquote like the Watcher, the multi-dimensional. Uh, I actually didn't even watcher. know who she was. I actually did a quick like. Comics yeah. explained who is Madam Web, and I gotta say, at, at the end of Spider-Man: uh, Far From Home, like with the whole reveal of like, oh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, by the way. Yep. Spoiler alert: everyone in the world in the MCU, um, you know that honestly really sets up the stage fantastically for someone like Madam Web to come in and really help Peter out through exactly. this trying time. Exactly. So like they, they, I think it's set up that she, Madam Web, will be in the MCU, and. You know, just having her cast as Madden and Webb would be a fantastic way to bring her in. Yeah, like I said, lots of authority <laughs> to her performances, lots of uh, of, of elegance. And same at the same time, there's a lot of mystery surrounding Madame Webb. She's supposed to be sort of like this clairvoyant type character. And she does pass on her skills at some point, doesn't she? Right. So this is another case of Norman Osborn. Yeah, where, where it's like... Bringing a notable actor, 
mm-hmm. get them the role, pass it on. There you go. Right. So, I and, and you know there's been mentionings of exactly how the multiverse will play into the MCU. Uh, if it's going to be like something like the Spider Verse, like what we saw in the Sony animated films, or if it's going to be something more like the comics, playing around a lot more with like the what if scenarios. It'll be interesting to see what direction they take. And since they sort of set up Spider-Man as the heart of the story moving forward, it makes sense that his sort of spiritual, quote-unquote, guide be at the center of it, too. So I think Madam Web makes a lot of sense here from a story standpoint. We're going to get Wolverine, though, for sure. I mean, it's going to happen. And uh, I think Sire was a pretty compelling choice. What, what led you to choose him? So... I know you know about the show Hot Ones. Yes. The show with hot questions and even hotter wings. It's so good. I love watching it. I've got a couple other sauces. It's so good. <laughs> and Shia LaBeouf was just on, wasn't he? He was the season 10 opener, and he blew my mind. I was I was laughing every you know, two minutes, and this is like a 30-minute show. Like Shia, And I'm not talking about Shia LaBeouf from like Transformers or Indiana Jones or, like, was it even Steven? Yes. And I know I should know what that is because of how old I am. But, like, I didn't watch that Disney channel when I grew up. So, like. That's all right. I didn't have cable until I was in high school. We're in the same same boat. But, like, I'm not talking about that Shia. I'm talking about, like, meme Shia. And that is is a significantly different Shia LaBeouf than the Shia that most people have seen on, on, uh, you know, the television screen right now. Yeah. I'd say the closest we're getting to the Shia that. I want to see is in the movie, in the movie uh, Fury mm-hmm. with Brad Pitt and Logan Lerman's in yeah, it. Yeah, he's Michael in there. Pena, I think so. Um, I forget who the young actor was in there. Was it uh, Harry Styles was in there, I thought? Or no, he's in a different World War II movie. He's in Dunkirk. There's too many World War II movies. <laughs> Not that I'm complaining. I love them. Yeah. But getting them mixed up with my actors. But that, that Shia LaBeouf, that is like starting to see the kind of Shia I want to see in, as a Wolverine. For sure. Someone who's out there, he's weird, he's not, honestly not the brightest guy, he doesn't always know what his motives are. Right. And I think that is core to who Wolverine is, and someone like Shia LaBeouf, who is not, he in, in his interview on Hot Ones, he describes himself, he's not a method actor, he's like an escapist actor. Oh. And I can't really go into that, because I didn't understand what he <laughs> meant like in the interview, but like it, it made sense when he said, like I'm not a method actor because of these reasons. That made sense. Everything else didn't, <laughs> which also speaks to who he is as an actor. Yeah. Um, but additionally, like there are several movies coming out that I really want to see that he is either in or directing yep. or both. Um, Peanut Butter Falcon. He Peanut Butter Falcon. I want to see that. That's out right now, I think. Yeah, I think it's out in some cities. Yeah. So like that one, I, I have to see that. Uh, but the one I really want to see is Honey Boy, which apparently yes. is a semi-autobiography about himself. He plays his dad. This uh, this younger actor plays who he is. And I'm like, okay, that is that is deep. It's bold. That is bold and ballsy for someone to do at his age. Especially and, with his sort of reputation, too. Right. Have, I think still a lot of people consider him pretty unhinged and goofy <laughs> and sort of experimental in a lot of his art, sort of art performances out in public and that sort of thing. And... This feels like a more. This this feels like an expansion of that, and me and one that's been getting a lot of critical lauding. But uh, we'll have to see whether it uh, whether it lands with audiences. It's really. It, it seems the trailer looked absolutely fantastic. It right. looks really unusual. 
Like so. I've I've got to see this no matter what. But like the the Shia that I'm seeing now being brought to the table, like that is what I want to see as a Wolverine character or someone who can like embody that like escapist, like getting away from reality and morality and like this indecisiveness. Like I want to see that in Wolverine. Like you said earlier, Hugh Jackman's too cool for that. Yeah, I love Hugh Jackman, but he's just too cool for that. Yeah. Otherwise, physically, Shia is also the right stature. He's like five eight, five nine. I checked this out before I even like sure. put him in there. Like he's got he's got to be the right height because Hugh Jackman's tall. Wolverine's supposed to be a shorter hero, right? And so yeah, Shia LaBeouf brings that. And some people are probably thinking about you know the scrawny Sam Witwicky type uh, Shia LaBeouf. He's not that anymore. No, Shia LaBeouf is buff. Okay, so like, honestly, he's I, a he's a thick boy. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. No, no, totally. Because I, I, yeah. I watched a few. I watched the first few minutes of that Hot Ones episode. I haven't watched the full one yet. But he looks like almost like Tom Hardy. Some, it's weird. Which is Tom yeah. Hardy is some people that some people want him to play Wolverine. I'm like, nah, Tom Hardy's he's already got Venom locked down. He is fantastic in Venom. I haven't seen Venom yet, but Tom Hardy's doing his own it. thing. I feel like. Wolverine needs somebody who's who's sort of got that underdog character to him, and right? Who more than Shia LaBeouf? I mean, he's not a he's not an unknown actor, but he's not a actor that has a certain character tied to him at all, right? And he's got to prove himself, yeah, for sure. And which he's definitely doing. Well, with in, the in, main, Butter in mainstream, and he needs to do it in mainstream. Yep. He's right. more meta right now than anything as an actor, right? But I, he's still fantastic at what he does, yeah. And I'm I'm I'd be so pumped. And Shia, if you're listening, I hope you are. That'd be so cool. We'll tag him in this. Please we'll do. <laughs> like, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it'd be I'd, so good. I'd fangirl a little hard. That's okay. No, no, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, I Going back to sort of my argument earlier, which you ended up subverting, but at any rate, I think still think it's valid. Who would, who would excite people? Uh, uh, who would excite the audiences when they hear that this person's cast is this person? Right. It's definitely Shia LaBeouf as Wolverine because there would be so many people who are pissed off and confused and there would be so many people <laughs> who are just like, yeah, let's get weird. Let's do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to give you this one, this win too. I, I think Shia LaBeouf as Wolverine is a really super compelling choice. I think that's, it's, I, I don't, it, some people might read it as gimmicky, but I don't think it quite is because of the way Shia LaBeouf's putting himself out there nowadays i mean you're going against the whole like you know someone who brings notoriety i'm going against the whole like matt wed sets sets up that like mm -hmm. patriarchal all right who's the next one that takes on the power is that i brought up for norman osborne so like we're both kind of contradicting ourselves a little bit here but i will do that for shy i think some of these I, <laughs> so, no, no, for sure yeah i, I think some of these matchups pose interesting <laughs> questions and things sort of Way more critically than others. And in, in this case, I think the weirdness of, of Shia as Wolverine is really just ascending pretty high. So uh, we got one more quarterfinal round here, but Shia, Shia LaBeouf is moving, around, moving on. And we'll get five minutes on the clock for the match that is no, wait, Terry. No, no quip, no no puns for Shia. <gasps> oh, what oh was man. Just do what did he say? Just do it. Just do it. But he yelled he into just it. Did and it. I don't want to like break your mic. <laughs> so he just did it. And, just do it. Uh, that's and, probably I did it just far enough away from the mic. It wasn't too loud. I hope. And Julie Andrews just floated away on her on her umbrella. She, she does. As 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 Mary Poppins do. Yes. As the Mary Poppins <laughs> plural do. Well, no, they are a species. They're several. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like a James Bond thing. It's like a code name. Well, you saw the UFO thing confirmed by the Navy recently. It was Mary Poppins. Probably Mary Poppins' mothership. Tom DeLonge, you, you cannot Mary Poppins floating <laughs> out in the sky. Love it. Cannot confirm nor deny that statement. 
But at any rate, <laughs> Terry Crews has Ben Grimm in the thing going up against Mila, Mina, Mila Kunis. Lovely Mila, name. Mila Kunis. I'll promise, yes. promise not to mess it up again, Miss Kunis. Uh, as a Roro Monroe and Storm. Let's get five minutes on the clock here. Let's go. So, bit of a conundrum here. Yes. Something we didn't realize sort of until we got here and did a little bit more research. So, not going to not going to try to ostracize you this for this or anything but i think i think it's an important issue we have to talk about when we're talking about casting right so storm is very explicitly in the comics african of her african heritage and that's very important to the character because it was one of the first very clearly african characters introduced in marvel comics while neil kunis is a little bit more olive skin she's not of african descent she's russian i I liked the image of her and the whole storm get up and everything right away, but I think there's a little bit of a problem there. Uh, we don't have to get too deep into it or anything, but right. that is my main hesitation with Mila Kunis right off the bat. I think she's wonderful. A lot of people forget that she's really got some acting chops. She was in Black Swan with Natalie Portman and really held her own. She's so she's you know she's been in Oscar acclaimed films and she's not just freaking that 70s show Mila Kunis she's really got yeah, something she's, to she's her. not the ditzy uh you know brunette that just you know hooked up with Ashton Kutcher every right five minutes on the show yeah she's a lot more than that so right now she's was, his wife too yeah exactly it's so exciting and they're a cute couple I'll just say that that's uh, that's a side thing I gotta say <laughs> I love I love when they nail it to the paparazzi it's awesome yeah it's yeah. great anyway no no it's all good so uh that's my hesitation. Mila Kunis is great. I would love to see her in the MCU in some way, uh, but I don't think this is quite the role for her. I think something somebody of of African descent should probably get the role as Storm. Otherwise, a, a, a good recommendation uh, in terms of acting chops. Uh, talk a little bit about why you <laughs> thought about her at first for the MCU. Maybe not necessarily for Storm, but go ahead. Right. I, I thought about her at first for the MCU. Like She's definitely a character who, like... Like you mentioned earlier with Tom Hanks, like she's got the chops there. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has the she, she has the ability to walk onto a set and really become who she's meant to be, if the writing is there. Yeah, albeit I, I think a lot of the stuff that she's been in doesn't really like bring that out of her. When she's in Black Swan, she does a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's kind of not a, a more serious role, but like I really liked her in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Dude, me too. She's like, so great. She's great in that. Like it's she's not a, as serious she, as a role, but like it's a, she does a great job. So. What I love about that movie is that she like immediately you're immediately rooting for her. Absolutely. Like the moment that her and Jason Siegel's character have an interaction at 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 the de- hotel desk there, like <clears throat> you're just immediately turned by her, and the fact that she can turn that on so easily, I think is is, is great mm-hmm. and could be utilized somehow in the MCU. So. And as as much as I hate to say, it, like you know, obviously, like you know, culture wise, like that is a detriment to her being as a storm character. Yeah. But like, I really think her being able to g- jump into a role that is so iconic as Storm would be really cool to see. Like, just take it, own it, and like, that's who she is. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, that is a huge barrier to leap with everything going on right now. And I was not smart enough to see that as I made the suggestion. Dude, no, like, totally, we don't want to. We don't <laughs> right. wanna, like ostracize on the show or label you anyway. But so. but at the same time, like, you cannot deny that. If she was given that role, she would do a fantastic job. Yeah, she just might not be the strongest of these two competitors right now in this matchup. Right. So yeah, yeah, that does bring us to Terry Crews, who I is physically literally the stronger of the two. (laughs) (laughs) So I think the thing is a really goofy 
character, Ben Grimm and everything. Like, like, like that's just a really bizarre character and it needs somebody who's a little bit more unusual. I think Terry Crews brings a lot of energy. He brings a lot of charm. He'll bring a lot of humor to the role, bring a lot of heart. And that is exactly what the thing needs. It's You can't sort of lean in it and, into it and be too goofy, but at the same time, you don't want him to be a CGI nothing like he was in the Fantastic Four reboot back 2015, 2016, whenever mm. that was. That just, which shall not be named. Right. Fan stick. Yeah, that one. Yeah. I just, I, I, I want somebody who can wear probably some prosthetics pretty well. I want somebody who's a little bit bigger than Michael Chiklis who played it. Uh, I, I, I will, earlier. I will say I did like Michael Chiklis acting in the role of the thing. Like yeah. he had, he had like the, the quips. He was like, if the thing was just solely dad jokes in a superhero costume, <laughs> that was Michael Chiklis. I loved it. It was awesome. See, and I think Terry Crews can bring that sort of dad jokiness, but then take it to the next level. He I can elevate that. Exactly. I'm really pleased <laughs> with the way he sort of handled the idea of masculinity in Hollywood. He's talked he openly. He really broke out. He really there. did. Yeah. He's super honest. And I think that type of honesty, that sort of, you know, even though the thing is under this sort of rocky shell, somebody who really bears their heart and is willing to bear their heart needs to play the thing. Uh, Terry Crews has talked about, you know, ideas of masculinity and he's fought back against toxic masculinity and a lot of the, a lot of his ways, ways he's written right, and the way right, he talks on social media. He's talked openly about being sexually assaulted, which is something that's like, that's terrifying for a man in Hollywood, especially for somebody who's really posed as like, Oh, you're like an action hero type buff dude. You know, you're a macho man. The, the fact that you are troubled by this is like, Bleh. it's like, no, he's allowed to be, honest about it and uh, allowed to fight out against it. And he's even talked about his pornography addiction. Like it's, it's maybe even a bit much for the thing, but to, to see, but to be that vulnerable and break down those barriers really makes the character who he is. And that's what I'm talking about. Um, I I know I've mentioned, like I listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast whenever a new episode comes out, but when I was like, just getting into it, I binge my podcast when I start getting into them. And when I was binging my Tim Ferriss podcast, I came across the Terry Crews one that he had. It was mm-hmm. a live stage. And Terry really got in through the trials and tribulations that he went through in college, you know, growing up in Michigan. I think it was Michigan. I think he grew up in Michigan. And then he went with it to college. He had to, like, okay, like, like I was good at art, like, before I went to college, and I, but I got a scholarship for football. But that wasn't paying the bills. So he would go into football, and he was an art major. So he got a football scholarship, nice. art major. And yeah. I, th- I think it was, he like commissioned portraits and stuff for his teammates to help oh. pay for it further. And for his art classes, he would do all this projects ahead of time. He would do a, uh, a worse, better, uh, no, a worse, less worse, better and best before the class started. Holy crap. And he would show up and he like tells professor like, Oh professor, like I'm so sorry. I'm like, this is like the best I can do. And then along the way he would show progress and he would make the professor think he was so grateful that the professor taught him to be this great artist when he did each one of these before the class even started. That's crazy. So like he could act that in college, right? Like dude's got acting chops clearly. But the fact that he actually had to struggle along those lines as well, I think really can break through in terms of Ben Grimm, someone who, the character of Ben Grimm, like he has to go through the trouble of, I was normal. Now I'm this monstrous thing, and no one likes me. With and you know, 
you know, Michael Chiklis does a great job of portraying that in the first film. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the struggles that he goes through of becoming like a monster and like having to be viewed at normally. Like, right. That was probably the best part about the first film, if you ask me. Sure. Um, but I, I think Terry Crews can really help bring that and elevate it a little bit further. Yeah. You could just like bring this dark, sort of internally tormented character that can still retain its wholesomeness, retain their wholesomeness right. throughout. I think Terry Crews will be great at doing that. So uh, that's where my vote stands right now. I know that's, we're way over five minutes. So. That's where my vote stands too. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, yeah like we said, with the, the whole Mila Kunis issue, don't be too hard on yourself because I think. It, I mean, I, I, I am. I'm a huge Terry Crews fan too. Right. So no, and I and you I played to my weak spot. No, no, it's all good. I think, yeah. and I think Mila Kunis has the chops to be somewhere in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. One. The role that I even considered for her was because of her Russian heritage. I would love to see her play a, even though she's not very physically imposing, I think it would be really interesting to see her take on a female version of Craven the Hunter. I think she would have been a great black cat. Oh, that's great too. I, I actually that. Google that. I'm like, is it actually just called the black cat? Just no, black it's, cat. it's just called black cat, which yeah. is, she's like, she's like Batwoman to Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If that I, makes sense. More of like, you know, as Catwoman is to Batman, Black yeah. Cat is to Spider-Man. Right. Yeah. Which gets kind of <laughs> tricky with the age difference between Tom Holland and Mila Kunis. But... Interesting. <laughs> you never know. That's that's <laughs> no. that's not a bad idea. I, I Like I said, she's got some place here. Just maybe not in that role. So, let's review the standings. We All have, right. in the semifinals, we have Tom Hanks going up Tom Hanks as Green Goblin, Norman Osborn, going up against Roman Reigns as Hercules. That'll be interesting. And then we have Shia LaBeouf as Wolverine going up against Terry Crews as The Thing. All right. These are some pretty pretty interesting casting choices. All right. Kevin Feige, hope you're listening. <laughs> See what you think. Bring us on set, please. Yes. It's like phase four. even like two years from now when they actually start casting these. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, see how Tom Hanks as Norman Osborn fares against Roman Reigns as Hercules. We've got five minutes on the clock. Here we go. Right. Okay. We have the seasoned veteran against the babyface. Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting because, right. uh, like I said, MCU is great about raising up that next generation. At the same time, they're great at invigorating some old classics like they did with maybe Jeff Goldblum. Right, and Thor yes. Ragnarok sort of brought uh, his flavor to the MCU in a pretty organic way. Mm-hmm. But I mentioned earlier that <laughs> I have a casting idea for Harry Osborn that's literally related to Tom Hanks. His son? Colin Hanks. Yeah. So it's interesting to think about that because, you know, Harry Osborn's supposed to be Peter Parker's best friend. Obviously, there's a big difference between Tom Holland and uh, Colin Hanks' age. They're, they're it was like, pretty 20 years or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's quite a bit. But what I think is interesting about that is with this sort of weird triangular conflict going on between Harry Osborn, Norman Osborn, and Peter Parker, you're crossing three different generations. Yeah. I think that's a pretty compelling idea for the Norman Osborn arc and the future of the MCU. So uh, I don't know. I'm super excited by that prospect. I, I don't know if Tom Hanks and Colin Hanks have acted together too much. And I think 
for them to channel their actual relationship would be a pretty awesome move for the MCU. I don't know. It'd be cool. Say, I, I should have seen that coming, but, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. Like, honestly, the, weak, the weakness here is, like, Tom Hanks has so many accolades to his name. Yeah. Saving Private Ryan, Forrest Gump, uh, Catch Me If You Can. Yep. Uh, oh, da Vinci Code. Yeah. Like, like all of these, like, all these great films, big. And Roman Reigns is like, I am in Hobbs and Shaw. And like the side and like WWE Super Slam. Like right. that's that's it. Like I can't really say much about Roman Reigns that I haven't already said. It's all it's all on a hopeful whim here that like he becomes the Dwayne Johnson for the MCU. Sure. Like he is the rising star. That's that's all I've got there. And I'll admit that. Um and a lot I think a lot can be banked on that, but you you cannot deny going into what you said with Tom Hanks, Colin Hanks. That is a strong, compelling argument, especially when I said, what if right. we take Norman Osborn and we introduce his son in there and, you know, his son has to fight, you know, Tom Holland, right. Spider-Man, Peter Parker for Papa's love. Yeah. And having that three-generation age gap would be fantastic. I think it's just something that really hasn't been, you know, it's, I mean, it's superhero cinema, it's superhero media. It's always, you know, black versus white, you know, good versus evil. Like it's, it's, it works in dichotomies and to introduce sort of a third factor in there, somebody torn between everything, uh, a little bit of a gray area, right. I think would be great. And that's why, that's why I really like the prospect of, you know, sort of coupling in a second casting in there with Colin Hanks as Tom Hanks, uh, along with Tom Hanks. Uh, but Ultimately, like I said earlier, I think Hercules is a good idea to introduce to the MCU. Character-wise. Right, right, exactly. Because we need to continue showing that the world is bigger. Something mm-hmm. I talked about in one of the mini episodes of Who You Got Here was with Toy Story, how those movies continually showed the characters that the world is bigger. Quickly, I want to add, I listened to that. If you have not listened to that, listen to that. It's it's a great, Thank it's you. compelling it was a good job. Thanks, man. I appreciate Back to that. the show. No, no, it's all good. Got to throw those little promos in there every once in a while. Uh-huh. But at any rate, I think that franchise did something very right there in that it's it never stopped showing people that the world is huge and right. that it's full of things beyond our imaginations and beyond what we consider, you know, our families, what we, we consider our homes. So to continue showing that, you know, Thor and Asgard isn't the only godly... N- mythological place out there i think is probably a healthy thing i it's interesting again sort of going back to the argument from a marketing standpoint if roman reigns as hercules would get people excited do you think i'm not familiar with his fan base too much i i'm not too familiar like i said i i'd have to do more research like i'm not very deep in you know wrestling cinema much of anything i just i I kept seeing his name pop up i gotta see who this guy is rock's talking about him so like he's got the rock on his side, which right. immediately is a huge fan base following as is. So if you just base it off of that, you know, he would I think he would bring people to the cinemas knowing like, okay, well, the rock's propping this guy up. Right. Something's gotta be going on here. Yeah. Uh but in terms of like who he is in the wrestling cinema, I'm I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Because I, I don't keep it as in touch with that, uh, for obvious reasons. I'm not sixty anymore. <laughs> Not to diss anyone who's older than six years old who likes <laughs> wrestling, but it's not real. It's not real. 
What? Uh, no, <laughs> sorry. But, but I mean, it's just it's just not on that one. Yeah, it's it's just it's just not for me anymore. Yeah. Well, um, it's all good. But at the same time, like I I really think he could he could bring in people that maybe were not into the MCU before yeah. that maybe did tune into him from wrestling standpoint, and then he does help capture those people who firmly follow the rock and there are plenty of people who do that that's an interesting that's an interesting sort of idea though it's it's like at at this point we feel like the mcu sort of has everybody at once right but there's still audiences out there who are still like oh superhero movies aren't for me no mainstream media don't want to get involved which i get i don't mean to make light of people who sort of try to avoid what's popular in, in favor of hopefully finding something that's a bit more compelling and original but maybe somebody with a, a little bit more of an outside perspective, a little bit more beyond Hollywood, at least traditional Hollywood as we know it, would bring more people in, more different, more diversity into the people who are sitting in, in the seats at, at movie theaters. I, I, I think that might be something that the MCU is looking for. At the same time, Tom Hanks and Colin Hanks might be able to do that too because I don't, his son's not as notoriable as he is. I know, but just, just, I'm just thinking, is there anybody with that type of gravitas, that type of acting credence? Like uh, like our dads love Tom Hanks, right? <laughs> you know, is there any other actor like that in the MCU right now who has that type of that type of recognition? I don't know. I mean, I, I think Robert Downey Jr. is like uh, getting that now but that's sort of because of the mcu was there anybody with like who has gotten the highest praise in the world in terms of cinema who's been brought into the mcu i don't know the oh i did actually think about this and i i i thought long and hard about this as a norman osborne yeah potential tim robbins oh oh crap i really like that yeah i know i know i know <laughs> my only thing is like i thought like Oh, he's he's too old to be Norman Osborn because mm. I mean this is gonna be a fresh new face in the MCU and he, they're gonna have to like stand the test of time a little bit. Right. Uh, Jeff Goldblum doesn't have to do that as a Grandmaster. Yeah. But Tom Hanks having the successor of Colin Hanks, I'm uh, we're not we're not including Colin Hanks in the voting <laughs> here, but it does bring up a very enticing argument. Like, I don't see Tim Robbins as someone who can bring up another actor inside of a movie and just kind of hand the torch off and like we forgot about Tim Robbins. Right. I see uh, of the movies I've seen with Tim Robbins and Tom Hanks, uh Tim Robbins is more of a leading actor than think, Tom Hanks is. He's like and Tom Hanks is very good at bringing up his supporting cast, Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. uh to- Toy Story you know, yeah. he's and really good at that. Tim Robbins is maybe just like a little bit too sunshiny for me. I don't know if I, I haven't. I don't know his whole filmography. He's too sun, sunshiny. You've it, seen Shawshank. That I is know. dark. I know it's dark. <laughs> I mean, but he's like he's very clearly like a hero. Somebody you want to root behind. Right. And I don't. I haven't seen yet. Granted, like I said, I haven't seen his whole filmography. Seen that moment where that could be reversed. I feel like with Tom Hanks, I have Tom Hanks. I have seen the closest I've seen those. to Tom Hanks, and I just thought of this until now. If you could take the insanity that is Castaway and put a villainous intent behind it, That's you have a fantastic Norman Osborn. Yeah. So, and Tommy, some, if you're listening, <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> if you think about his voice performance as Woody too, it's it's a very sort of panicked. A little bit, uh, you know, Woody's a leader who sometimes gets in over his head. 
sometimes gets self-absorbed. That's exactly what Norman Osborn is, somebody who got in a leadership position and then just sort of became consumed by his own sort of strong masculine capitalist nature. Um, so it's it's like Woody times a million, of course. I'm not, I'm yeah. not trying to compare the two characters so directly, but I, I'm saying that there are <laughs> moments in Tom Hanks's performances that could lend well to a Norman Osborn type character. Plus, in Angels and Demons, Da Vinci Code, even though he plays the protagonist, he plays the good guy, the professor, when he needs to put on a facade to fake someone out, I still get a little bit of a chill down my spine. I mean, like, he's a good guy, but like, I would not cross him. Mm-hmm. Even though he's only a professor, he poses no real physical threat. Like, there's a there's a slight menace behind his voice yeah, that I would I would love to see as Norman Osborn, and that's that's why like, I I kind of want to vote Tom Hanks Norman Osborn on this over Roman Reigns, uh, but that's purely because you know Roman Reigns doesn't have the credibility to stand up to. Tom Hanks right now, albeit I think he still would be a good choice. Right, of course. You know, yeah, I think at this point we're, you know, the you're trying the, to pick the greater of two goods here. We're, we're trying to pick the ripest apple in the tree. Yeah, and there's like there's a little green spot still on Roman, but it's like you're not ready to pick yet. So we're gonna go with you know Tommy over here. But is that, is that your final answer, Tom Hanks? It's, it's got to be my final answer, Roman. Next time, good old green gobby moving on to the finals. All right, we have, we have to determine who Tom Hanks will be facing off in the finals. We have Shia LaBeouf, Shia LaBeouf <laughs> as Wolverine going up against Terry Crews as the thing. We'll get five minutes on the clock once more. Here we go. I'm still pretty sold on Shia LaBeouf, I'm going to be honest. You, you, I'm sold my, on like Shia said, too. That's that's my favorite choice yeah. that you put out there. I, I think Terry Crews would be just fine. Um, I... I think it would be sort of an expected choice. And I think what we're sort of finding here in a lot of these talks is a little bit of surprise is good. Mm-hmm. Um, Terry Crews is a big guy. He's charming. He's witty. That really fits pretty naturally into the thing in Ben Grimm. So it's just sort of like when you hear about that casting, you'd be like, oh, that makes sense. Right. When you hear about Shia LaBeouf being cast as Wolverine, be like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Wait, does it? Let's go watch it. Right. So. <laughs> I I think and this kind of you know goes to what you just said, you know, of those two actors who brings something new to the table, new yeah. to the character. You know, Terry Crews could, yeah, it's not like a given, but Shia, like that's a given. Yeah, I feel like anything he does just brings something new to the table, and and uh, I'll, I'll I'll do some uh, some quick research here on my phone, you know, after yeah. you know once you take it here and just run with it. But there is a is like a little actor studio that he started and oh. I think it was Hollywood and you know they've had some people go off and do their own Netflix thing based off of this alone he started this and they just wow. they just run obscure shows and I'm gonna do some quick research on this so you yeah. take it and run for like a hot second while I find this no for sure no I, I really I, I'm, I'm really digging the idea of Shia LaBeouf like I said we, he's he's got the scrappiness that I think Wolverine needs to sort of be brought back on screen that Hugh Jackman sort of lost along the way. And uh, as much as I like the idea of sort of Terry Crews as Ben Grimm, I know another important aspect or increasingly important aspect of, of, of Ben Grimm as a character um, was his background and direct relation to Jack Kirby's sort of upbringing. Mm-hmm. And to distort too much away from that might be a little bit tricky. Um, 
maybe to get somebody who's more directly like Jack Kirby and his his sort of life might be kind of cool too. I think there's a lot of flexibility with the thing and uh, Terry Crews is maybe a bit too obvious of an answer. And with Wolverine, it's not clear where we want that character to go within the MCU. And Shia LaBeouf takes it in some sort of wild, crazy, crazy way that might be might exactly what be what the MCU needs to inject a little bit more lifeblood back into it. So, because I think a lot. I, I, how do you feel about the MCU right now in terms of your hype? I mean, I know we're really excited about because there's tons of directions that could go, but there's right. no specific landmark event we're looking forward to anymore. It, for those of you who can't see me, I'm kind of shrugging my shoulders right now because <laughs> I I don't know what I'm looking forward to besides that like I I don't know who the next big bad is. I right. I know I know they're propping up like Galactus, who is this world eating entity, could be the next big bad. But at that point, like okay, so if it's going to be Galactus, then we have to have the Fantastic Four. Right. If we're going to have the Fantastic Four, we have to have Doctor Doom. And all of these are like these are fantastic. These are fantastic givens that I think mm-hmm. are going to happen. It's just there's not an anticipation there. Like, you know, when we started watching MCU way, 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 way before it got the true hype, like the first Avengers was awesome and all the movies leading up to it were still awesome. But like when we saw the post credit scenes of Thanos, I remember like rushing to my phone, like, who is this purple dude? Right. Why? Well, well at the time, crimson purple dude, but like, <laughs> who is this crimson purple dude? And why am I scared of him right now? Right. I don't know why. Like I, I I don't have that anticipation right now, and like, and I'm worried that there's there's too much leaking and going stuff going on that like we can't be sure that we're gonna have that kind of intensity in these next couple phases. Right. But at the same time, like I'm still gonna go out and watch because I know there's gonna be quality plot and, and quality character development and quality acting for the most part. <laughs> but. I'm I'm not as stoked about it as I was previously. I have to admit. Yeah, and I feel like casting Terry Crews as the thing is sort of a safe bet. It feels very in the vein of what we've been doing. Right. Shia LaBeouf as Wolverine is that's a, a wrench. Huge, it's a huge deviation. Right. It feels like a wrinkle, and I think that's a good thing. I which I, I want to see the MCU challenge itself. With its casting choices and with the direction it takes its characters. And I think Child Buff's a great vehicle for that as Wolverine. Which, by the way, that is the Slauson Recreation Center that he opened up, uh, Shia did. Opened his own theater school in L.A. called the Slauson Recreation Center. Okay. And he mentioned that, he mentioned in this Hot Ones interview that like he's had a couple people, like a couple kids go on to their own, get, get their own Netflix shows. That's awesome. Based off their performances and that. So like, it's not that he has the talent, but like he can help direct talent too. So not only that, I think through Shia we can get potentially talented actors for like other roles. Like these are kids starting to act. Mm-hmm. There are so many X Men. It's true, <laughs> and I mean that's that's a like, that's just an easy way to like pull people from there. Um, to, and that's not yeah. completely unorthodox for the MCU either, because I know Chris Hemsworth was a big pull for Tom Holland because Chris Hemsworth and Tom Holland had worked together on uh, I forget I name. saw the film it was uh it was a a British guy and his a British father explorer and his son based off a true story they went to see the find the city of gold in like South America got lost and died and never came back something like that okay right I know there was a boat involved 
Yeah, there was a boat on a river in the Amazon. <laughs> but at any rate, it was a good film. Yeah, and yeah. and the fact that this established MCU actor brought in oh this... City Z, City Z is what it was. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. But the fact that this established MCU actor brought in uh, another young talent who is now one of the biggest stars in the world, there's precedent for that. So to see Shia LaBeouf using his weird methods to help establish that next generation of X Men, most likely, would be pretty great. Yeah. So there's just there's too many interesting reasons to go with Shia LaBeouf. It's it's hard to not. I'll be honest. Yeah. He, he, uh, I just want the MCU to do to do the opposite of safe right now, and nothing seems nothing seems more unsafe than Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> that's, that's, that is that is funny and terrifying at the same time. It's true. So we're gonna go with Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Moving Shia on to the LaBeouf. final round in contention for the title of the last podcast fan cast we have tom hanks as norman osborne green goblin going up against shia labeouf's wolverine logan james howlett let's do it (laughs) (laughs) what was that (laughs) james he's never he doesn't use that name too often it's usually logan is it yeah but um, yeah, so let's get to the final set here. We have five minutes on the clock the title, for the title of the last podcast fan cast. You mean 10 minutes. Here we go. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right. So I... what have we not talked about yet? We've talked about a lot with Shia and Tom. Yeah. And with the potential that that, that character could go. They both bring a lot. They let's really put do. it right there. They're both very dynamic actors in their own sense. So I think what's more important for me in the MCU right now is a strong villain because we had Thanos and I really like Thanos as a character. I'm glad that uh, Avengers Infinity War focused on his sort of internal strife, especially in regards to his parentage and that sort of thing, his, his, his relationship <laughs> with Gamora. Like, that's, that's what I want. I really want a robust villain. And I think... Norman Osborn is the more critical thing to introduce the MCU right now. Uh, I think Wolverine would be fun. I think Wolverine is going to be exciting for a lot of people because they want to see that guy back on screen again. They want to see that character taken in different directions. But I don't think he's essential, frankly. It's not going to necessarily push the rest of the heroes already within the MCU in a new direction. Norman Osborn posing as the sort of bureaucratic uh, threat who's you, leveraging business, leveraging influence, that sort of thing. I think that's something that the Avengers haven't faced. And we already know, because of the end of Far From Home, that one th- villain of the MCU from here on out is going to be publicity. <laughs> it's going to be public perception of, of superheroes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Scovia, the... Uh, the Scovia Accords. Yeah. Uh, Tom Holland is Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Right. Well, like, what are they going to think about this Like this kid being... They're going to think he's like this corrupted child. Like, oh, man, he was taken under the Avengers' wings, and now he's using Stark technology to kill people. He's not actually doing that. But right. the part of the public is going to believe that, and then Norman Osborn can use that to his advantage. He can twist that around, play politics a little bit, I think... 
And and what's cool about Norman Osborn, aside from Green Goblin, we haven't talked too much about Green Goblin as like a, a sort of that campy Power Ranger style villain. But I think what's really compelling about Norman Osborn is that they can't just walk up to him. Like Thor can't just walk up to him and just freaking just mole near him in the face. Like just the the public is a different perception of Norman Osborn than right. the than the, the, the heroes public. Do. The public is the hero's kryptonite in this sense. Yeah, and. That conflict, I think, is really exciting. Sort of blowing up the uh, sort of the Spider-Man conflict, conflict of you know hated by the city, distorted by the Daily Bugle, that sort of thing. Let's make that for the entire MCU, the entire cast of heroes that we've come to know and love. Let's turn it up to eleven. Uh, I, I I think that's the most compelling direction for the MCU. I don't think Wolverine provides enough impetus. To establish a story. I don't know. What do you think? So this is the only time I'm going to actually like go against my boy Shia here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, just, just on this one argument, I'm, su- I'm still going to go for him as much as I can until you can convince me otherwise. Sure. Or I'll just give up because it's your show. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, we might be here all night, Dayton. I you never know. know. Right? You got to gotta push back, though, man. I, right. That's what the show is about. But the, the one thing I will say against Shia is I, I think you are absolutely right. The MCU does need a villain. I flat out said that moments ago when I said, you know, we've got Galactus. That's kind of confirmed, but where is the excitement in that? There is none. And, you know, what you just said about the public being, you know, the real enemy or mm-hmm. being, the, being the catalyst that really helps the enemy against our Avengers, like, yeah, that is going to be the next crucial, I guess, mm-hmm. instability factor for our heroes. Yep. And... Wolverine is, character-wise, Wolverine is a safe bet. I I think, you know, I think Shia would still be the best pick for Wolverine. But at the same time, the character of Wolverine cannot be what Hugh Jackman was for Fox's Wolverine. Yeah. And, I mean, basically, Fox just said, okay, which of these characters did the public like the most? Let's base our universe off of him. Yeah. Like there was no overarching villain besides you know the government and Magneto a little bit, but he was sort of uh, he's as more an of an anti anti hero. Yeah, if you ask me. But like there was no overarching villain besides the government, and the government's too vague of a villain in a sense. So we we can't do that to Wolverine again. We can't prop him up to be the next centerpiece for a superhero. Mm-hmm. Granted, you know, without Iron Man, without Captain America. And frankly, because of the uncertainty of the MCU and how far from home was left off at the end, we can't have Tom Holland be that person either. So we don't have a leading hero in the general sense right now. And I think Wolverine as a character would be a great version of that. Yep. But at the same time, we can't go from Hugh Jackman doing that fantastically to Shia just kind of, no offense, kind of drunkenly stumbling <laughs> into that role. I mean... If if we get introduced to Wolverine, we're gonna get introduced to the worst of Wolverine right off the bat. Yeah. Because if you know anything about the character, he is a tormented soul. For sure. Who you know, Professor X or Professor Xavier helps him find his own way. So like, as soon as we get introduced to Wolverine, either we get introduced to like slightly rehabbed Wolverine, or like, what the hell is that guy doing to the street post Wolverine? Like that, that is what we're going to get. It's, it's not going to be, yeah. you know, chip on the shoulder, Hugh Jackman's right. clean shaven Wolverine. What I sort of hear you saying is that like with Wolverine has a lot of 
baggage literally, and he sort of has a lot of baggage as a character too. Like he needs the rest of the X Men, right? And that's a big daunting task right off the bat to like introduce Wolverine is like, oh yeah, he's gonna be the heart of the rest of the MCU, but then also we have to introduce all these other characters. Uh I don't know. Uh I, I agree. It's gonna be that's gonna be a tough move to pull off. I think I think it would be cool to see them like uh take Wolverine and they start introducing him in in other films and we follow him like we follow the Hulk. Yep. You know, the Hulk never had his own solo film in the MCU after you know, yeah. the Incredible Hulk. But Throughout, I believe it was Avengers through Infinity War, we had two Hulk films technically based off of screen time alone. Mm-hmm. Now, if they did that with Wolverine to build up the character, build him through his torments and his trials and tribulations, like that would be fantastic in how he meets his teammates, how he meets the X-Men, how he kind of starts finding his way. Yeah. And by the time he gets his first solo film, like we've got like a Wolverine who's... Underst- who understands what's wrong with him, but he can't take those initial steps to fix himself. And that's when he meets Professor Xavier and maybe he fights Cyclops or, you know, right. and then they, during their fight, they get interrupted by Sabretooth and yada yada. So, so, somehow introduce him in gradually. Yeah. He, could, he can be the next Iron Man, Captain America, the, the next, like, leading man that the Avengers or whoever rallies behind, but we cannot have him be that right off the bat yeah and norman osborne can be that villain right off the bat right exactly that's that's sort of where i'm I'm, I'm thinking too is so wolverine sort of needs to be on ramped through other other heroes and other movies that sort of thing right i think norman osborne and his potential villainy inspires more movies Uh, basically how i'm sort of picturing him for the mcu is sort of an anti-nick fury and basically right so he's just always at the fringes always pulling strings always has some sort of you know determination and some sort of stake in what's happening and is always pushing for the next hero or in this case the next villain to make their place so i think that would be a great counter to the mcu just because we've been so reliant on nick fury and sam jackson's portrayal of him i think it would be great to see a really direct opposite of that i think it'd be cool okay so i just thought of this (laughs) and i hate that i thought of this because if if you agree with me on this then i have to vote for tom hanks okay and you'll understand why so once you brought up fury i thought okay if nick fury and norman osborne are yin and yang. Yep. Nick Fury has a good scroll. Mm-hmm. If Norman Osborn could have a bad scroll, we have Dark Avengers and Secret Wars pinned up as the perfect catalyst for the next big conflict, and it would work out so well. Yep. And I hate saying this out loud because it plays right into your hand, <laughs> but I would be neglecting my duties as a guest host to hold this back. What are your thoughts? I think, yeah, that's that's great. I, I, Damn I'm glad, it. Glad, <laughs> I knew it. I'm glad you're thinking to that scale again because right. I think no matter what old, some of the more cynical critics might say, uh, the MCU is going to keep on continuing. I think it needs this moment <clears throat> with Norman Osborn to be a bit more grounded, a little bit more Earth-based, a little bit more of like this vague, bureaucratic public-based sort of uh, villain sort of facing off and proving themselves again because it's a new generation of heroes. I think it needs that. But 
what you just posed there allows the opportunity for them to go cosmic again. Right. So, and and the big thing is, I I go. know they mentioned they want the new MCU to go more cosmic. Right. Uh, so I think having having maybe a centered villain at uh, Homeworld, yeah, Earth, while everyone else does everything else off world, that kind of takes the like the focus off of Earth and like okay. Well, we're dealing with like Galactus, and you know, I'm I'm sure at some point they'll Silver they'll run into Silver like Surfer and um the Magus and and you know all these other like cosmic threats right they're in the MCU they'll like they'll fight them all those could easily wipe out the Earth in a flash yeah but they take care of those and as soon as they they get back to Earth they are immediately ostracized by the threat that is Norman Osborn with the help of the scrolls, super scrolls or whatever like that would set up to be a fantastic like plot. And I hate that I said that out loud. <laughs> Damn it. Well, yeah, you might have I, the foot, but I hey. did. I did. Okay. I will. I'll, I'll say this. I will. I will vote Tom Hanks, Norman Osborn for the better of the MCU, but you must gonna make me grovel here a little bit. I want to make you grovel. <laughs> I want you to acknowledge that Tom Hanks playing Norman Osborn is not as good as Shia LaBeouf playing Wolverine. Okay, so basically what we're saying here is Norman Osborn is the better character to introduce, but Shia LaBeouf is the better casting. Yes. Interesting. So now we go back to what are we judging this podcast on? (laughs) Casting. Yes, I know. Hmm. Uh-huh. I know we're gonna. You think the- I shot myself in the own in my own foot, but now I'm throwing it back your way. Sure. No, I mean, I-, I shot myself, but now I'm giving you the second bullet. <laughs> I think we're gonna. It, 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 we always yeah. argue with semantics on this show, and that's part of why I love it. But I think at, at the end of the day, we have to think about what is the best direction for these movies. I think it's Norman Osborn because. MCU has always been criticized for having shoddy villains, and Norman Osborn and Tom Hanks is necessary. Wolverine, we could continue the MCU without Wolverine. I don't think we could continue the MCU without Norman Osborn, and hopefully, with hopefully not without Tom Hanks. If if you didn't say with Tom Hanks, I would have beaten you just now, <laughs> because I'd be like, ah, you didn't say Tom Hanks. It doesn't matter, right? But I mean, I gotta give it to you. You stuck by it, so yeah, that's. I, yeah. I, again, we're we're sort of arguing semantics here, and it's like, is casting more important or a story more more important? And even though this is a casting bracket, ultimately the actors serve a story. If the actors aren't telling a story, if they're just there which, to be which there. Tom to, Hanks has done several times. Every time he's on screen, he's always oh. focused on telling that story. When so. Saving Private Ryan comes on and his hands start shaking, and then it stops, and the tanks come, I shiver every time. Like Always. that's that's how good of an actor Tom Hanks is, and bringing him in the MCU as Norman Osborn, I would shiver every time. Again, I don't know what scene it would be because I haven't seen the movie, or cross my fingers, God willing, there is one. Like I guarantee you, if I shiver once, I will shiver again and again and again and again because that's how intense his scenes can be. Yeah. So, I'll go with Tom Hanks. Tom Buy Hanks. a hair. By a hair. Yeah, this was a this yeah. is probably one of the more contentious episodes we've had in a while. But Tom Hanks as Norman Osborn, Green Goblin, the last podcast fan cast. He's the winner. Hooray. Shia LaBeouf didn't do it. Didn't do it. Just do it. Just didn't do it. 
But now I'm so worried about peaking the levels. But, this. <laughs> but but now it's up to you, Disney. Just do it. Just do cast it. Tom Hanks. Just do it. Ask Tom <laughs> Hanks and freaking just allow Sony to earn their money. You're doing Please. just fine, Disney. You don't need more money. <laughs> Please. Please. It's we're groveling over dollars and cents here. Yeah. It's your fans. It's your fans. Serve the story. It's it's us. Just as Tom Hanks serves the story in all of his performances, serve the story. Think of Wilson. Think of Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> oh right. man. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks this for was having me on again. A blast. This is definitely one of the more unique episodes of Who You Got we've done because these castings aren't established, right? I've been rumored. They're just right. some of the things that we had in our own noggins from our own discussions some about no- the MCU. Notable people we decided like we we have to leave these out, otherwise we will go for this. Is like Keanu Reeves. We all like Keanu. Oh, we all love Keanu. We all love Keanu. He's the one. You're beautiful. But it is. <laughs> it's like you're. It's like you're amazing. No, you're amazing. amazing. It's like oh yeah. That's just our relationship with him and some yeah. of these other sort of rumored casting. So we really wanted to push ourselves and I, see what what we, what we could throw out there. I would like to just like let's just like quick ten seconds each. Three actors. And some characters with no reasoning behind them, what you'd like to see. You go, I'll go, you go, I'll go, you go, I'll go. Oh, gosh. Just um, right off the top of the head. Man. So I'm I'm just big into the stand-up and into comedians moving into acting. I want to see Pete Holmes in some sort of big, giant movie. I feel like he would be way in over his head. I, I, think, he'd, I think he'd be wonderful. I think maybe if he can who's play that, some sort who's of... Who's that role. dude with the big head? Like who the the floating guy? Yeah, like floating guy with the big head. Oh gosh, that could be Pete Holmes. I don't know if Pete Holmes could pull that off. Like <laughs> he's a goofy. I want to see I him as a comedic sidekick, like okay. sort of how like Robin. <laughs> no, like how Michael yeah. Pena came in and oh, okay, was sort of a great foil right. to Paul Rudd's a little bit more of a straight man. I want to see Pete Holmes do something like that. I'm not sure what character he might play i could see him as sort of like a bumbling reporter at like the daily bugle okay just sort of like a new character they introduce um i just want to see pete holmes in more things i love you pete holmes that'd be good yeah uh one is uh i mean i i love zach efron as a, as a person yeah uh, I, this is a cool guy yeah for sure I, I think this is going back to slightly what we talked about earlier i think he would be a good johnny storm okay he's, he's the right age that. he's got the charisma it's just youthfulness. Can can he bring the intensity that like the MCU requires? I'm not sure yet. Yeah. But I like to see the you know him at least be casted or like thought of as a role for that. Did you, I think you even mentioned him maybe one time as, as Wolverine? No. I, I probably that. mentioned I that. I hate that. That's guys. awful. <laughs> I do you did mention that once, but at least that's, once. that's not what I was talking about. Him oh. as Adam Warlock though. Oh, I didn't mention him as Adam Warlock. I mentioned Keanu Reeves as Warlock. Oh, okay. He would I, be what I like Warlock, about Adam yeah. Warlock is like he sort of got like this godlike appearance, and goodness knows Zac Efron certainly does. He's uh, sort of a golden god. Yeah. Know? Not a not a hair or a scratch on him. So, um, you know, that might fit there as well. But, man, um, somebody else who I'd like to see cast... Uh, I want Jesse Eisenberg to get another crack at superhero movies. Yeah, uh, he'd be good. I, I He was... Kind of weird, as I, as, um, as Lex Luthor. That like sort of a, interpretation. He was terrible. I'll say he was like the demented stepchild of the DCU. Yeah. So there, there's another sort of option as a Harry Osborn. If we don't get Colin Hanks, sort of, I, I don't I, shave your head bald, please. Right. Yeah. No, I think Jesse Eisenberg would be great <laughs> as. Uh, you know, I hate to keep casting him as Zuckerberg types, but I don't think Harry Osborn is that. Harry Osborn sort of like 
the spurned child who's the the, the product of a, of an over obsessed father and that sort of thing and his I I would love to see Jesse Eisenberg take on something that intense uh, that sort of parental strife that he encounters I think I I think he's got it in him so I I think uh, taking someone like um another gen- like typically comedic actor or comedian like as much as I'd love to see John Mulaney as something else he's already spider pig yeah I'd love he's to see- so good he's so, he's so good at spider pig um but I I do think if if we took you know Steve Carell and threw him mm. into an overarching villain he would he do could, a fantastic could, job because I I saw could be a good I, Norman Osborn. I watched Foxcatcher and so I good. was terrified of his character in Foxcatcher and yeah. I should not have been. Mm. Um, but I mean, I think he would really bring something to the table. Uh, really quick, my third one, just because like it's this one I've I've definitely had on the top of my mind. Um, I mean, like I'm I'm into I'm into fitness. You you know this yeah. obviously, but one of the guys I follow on Instagram is Mike O'Hearn, and he's a former Mister Olympia, I think, and you know. He's he's like still like mid forties or something, just like really jacked, but he looks the part of Hyperion. In fact, he's uh-huh. actually reposted on his Instagram of him and Hyperion like sketch side by nice. side. I'm like, this is eerie. I don't know how good his acting is. Like he's in a couple like you know, like uh, like B list C list films. Sure. I think he starred in Always Sunny Philadelphia as like the Swole Mac, mm. like the actually fit yep. Mac. So like like he's got some acting credits to his name. It's just for like what the MCU is looking for in terms of like longevity. I don't think he has that. I don't know how good his acting chops are, but like in terms of looks alone, like he looks the part. Yeah, which is crazy by itself. Yep. Um, I do think a Jason Momoa would be a fantastic Craven the Hunter. That's true. Had he, he not picked up a Aquaman. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, I don't like the too much too much a crossover between the universes. Well, not not just that he looks the part, but like seeing him in Game of Thrones, like the savagery, he's a great actor. the savagery that he brings to that role in Game of Thrones mm-hmm. as the Dothraki leader, like I think that would directly translate to Craven yeah. the Hunter so well. Yeah. Ooh, Javier Bardem coming out of left field from Graham. Who That's is really who is That's that? He's uh, the guy from uh, No Country for Old Men. He's the Yep. Oh, you have me with villain on Skyfall. I love Skyfall. That's my favorite James Bond film nice. ever. And I've got like the old Sean Connerys. Yeah. <sighs> okay, okay, I want to mention one more casting, yeah. and I refrain from mentioning this during the main episode because it is rumored, but I love the idea of it. Uh, it's a double casting. Oh. It's John Krasinski as Reed Richards and Emily Blunt as Sue Storm. I've seen that one. several times, and I would love for that to happen. Please I think it'd be great. make that happen. Yeah, just I think John Krasinski sort of has this in sort of inherent and wisdom and, and witticisms <laughs> about him. So I think he'd be a great Reed Richards. And then Sue Storm, I think, needs somebody who's a little bit, I don't know, has a bit of a stronger stage presence than somebody like Jessica Alba. She's fine. I know she's done some a little bit more impressive work in recent years, but uh, I think they need somebody who's really got chops. Like, Do Emily you know Blunt. who would be a great Dr. Doom? Who? Rain Wilson. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. No. I was thinking since you were just thinking about Bond <laughs> films, I was thinking maybe Christoph Waltz. Oh, I would love that, but I've never heard him without the German accent. And I just, I'm sorry. Like, I love Christoph Waltz, but every time I hear him speak, I'm like, that's comedically Avocado. funny. <laughs> it's so great. That's my, that's my Christoph Waltz impression. Just, just like, him, like him saying even, different foods. Even in Kuna Django Mudo. Unchained, when he's supposed to play this, like, Western dentist who's also a bounty hunter, I'm like, there is such a thick German accent here. 
I could take a butter knife to it, swipe the screen, and put it on my toast in front of me. Great. <laughs> I mean, like it's it's thick. It's it's hard <laughs> it's to get thick. rid of, and I don't, I don't, I don't want my Doctor Doom to have that. Although he does a fantastic job. As oh, filler. for sure. Yeah, he's sort of a. He, he yeah. can play any villain. I think he's really got that presence about him. But Joaquin I think Phoenix. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix could play anything. He could. He could do whatever he wants. Yeah. I'm really excited for Joker. So but at any rate, <laughs> we're eating up a bunch of Graham's time here. Was, Sorry, this Graham. A, no, this was a great episode. Really appreciate you coming on again and talking some MCU stuff on uh, 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 on um, who you got here with us. I think you are sort of our MCU expert here. So, I'll take that. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll have you on again in the future once some of these castings happen. And well, technically. Way different than what we wanted. Technically, we're one for one. We're oh, tied. It's true. We are tied. Yep. We'll have to have not a tiebreaker eventually. Not saying there's going to be a third episode. Our friendship has to hold up for that. <laughs> it's on the lines right now. It's we'll true. see how it goes. I don't know. Yep. Just mm. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. We'll have a tiebreaker right. sometime. But in the meantime, thanks for listening, everybody. Really appreciate it. Share this with your friends. Let the, Have a little discussion of your own about who you want to see in the MCU, what kind of characters you want to see, and what kind of actors that you want to see in it. And, of course, follow Who You Got on all the socials. We have Facebook and we have Instagram. And you can recommend any ideas for shows there. You can suggest topics for full episodes just like this. And then you could suggest entire brackets for the mini episodes I do by my lonesome. And really looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say about what I should ramble on with, potentially with a guest. I would even suggest, for those who are listening, like, if there, is there someone that we missed? Throw yeah. them in the comments and your reasoning why. Otherwise, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter. Right. But throw your reasoning in why and like who you think we missed and who should have taken the place of some of our weaker, you know, casting positions choices, and yeah. casting choices. I mean, obviously there were some. I won't say who they were, <laughs> but like there were some. Throw them in. What are your thoughts? Yeah, let's keep the conversation going, guys. This will be great. So we'll see you on the socials. We'll see you on who you got on Facebook, who you got on Instagram. And of course, you can listen to us here on iTunes and on Spotify, everywhere where good podcasts are heard. My name is Dayton Hammond. Thanks again, Derek, for being on the show. Thank you. We'll see you next time. 